Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Thank you for listening. And speaking of thank yous, before I go any further today, I have to thank a whole lot of people out in California. Well, I won't thank a lot. I mean, I, in my mind, my heart, there'll be a lot of them, but we only don't have time to mention a few. There's a lot of wonderful people I came across. Many of you were listeners. In California recently, as I was giving some talks at a marriage retreat out in Brentwood, California. That's in the Oakland area, out at Immaculate Heart of Mary. Isn't it interesting? Because many of you are listening on Immaculate Heart Radio in California. But I was at Immaculate Heart of Mary, a wonderful, marvelous parish out in Brentwood, California, in the Oakland kind of east of the Oakland area, almost towards Stockton. And I was giving some talks there, and I met a lot of wonderful people, especially those who put this whole marriage retreat together. I'd like to say hello to Joe and to Peggy Murray, and also to Rosemary, my wonderful hostess, who cared for me and looked after me so well at her home while I was there. And also Bo and Carrie, I think their name is, last name is Weller, and a whole lot of you that I met out there, some of the old friends too, like Ed Hopner from the Oakland Diocese. I want to say hello to all of you who took part in the marriage retreat who might be listening to our program today, and especially to the Murray family, to Rosemary, and the good people, the staff there at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Brentwood, California, who hosted me. It was just a marvelous experience, and I think there are some new listeners and also some listeners that were faithful listeners that I met there as well. So I want to say hello to all of you and to thank all of you for your kindness and your hospitality. I had a great time there. I want to thank all of you for listening. And speaking of listening and old friends listening, I got a wonderful letter from our old friends D&M, brothers D&M. And I use their initials because they are a couple of men, listeners, who are serving some time in a prison in Corcoran, California. They've been avid listeners, and they wrote to me recently. And what's interesting about that, if they're listening, Brothers D&M, and for all of you too, I'm sure you've all had that experience where you're thinking about somebody, you're thinking about them, you say, well, maybe I should write to them or give them a call, whatever, and boy, golly, you get a letter from them or a call or phone call. Sometimes even exactly at the moment that you're thinking about them, or you're going to sit down and write to them or call them. It happens to me all the time, and it happens to me in in such a way that I really think it points to 
something really extraordinary. It really points to the fact that we really are in some very mystical way united with each other. And I suspect that the heart of that is the Eucharist, that those who feed upon the Eucharist, the body of Christ, we really are united as one. And I think that has an effect. It has dimensions that we may not even realize because it's just uncanny sometimes, just uncanny in in a way that goes beyond any kind of explanation or reason. I'm sure all of you have had that experience too from time to time. It happens to me a lot. It's been happening to me a lot lately. And I was just thinking about our good friends who are listeners, but who have been serving time in prison, people like Brothers DNM. And I thought to myself, yeah, I haven't heard from them in quite a while. And then out of the blue, here comes this wonderful letter from them. But they also shared some great news with me. They are gathering converts there. They have other people have come to the faith, and they shared some of that information with me. And they wrote some very interesting letters, very informative, very beautiful letters. And I'm just going to read just a couple lines of some of the things that they wrote. And they said that the church, they've come to really see the church as the one holy Catholic and apostolic body of Christ. I'm reading right from the letter they sent to me. This is Brothers D and M out in Corcoran, California, serving time. The body of Christ, true and eternal bulwark of faith amidst the flurry of opinions and theological shifting sands of modernity. The church is our mother and bride of the Lamb of God. We pride ourselves on standing on the shoulders of titans, of the church fathers and mothers in Christ, of martyrs, confessors, saints, venerables, and countless righteous ones who showed by their lives and through their death how to live in Christ and die for him if needed. Now, the letter goes on, and they're referring to a bishop, his eminence, Metropolitan Gerasimos, who came to visit them in the jail. And they were very, very touched by that as part of what prompted this letter. So they said this, Even with his eminence, Metropolitan Gerasimus, who is our living link to this rich heritage, present in our midst, we knew that there was one greater there in the holy gifts given to us, the true body and blood of the Savior, the fullness of salvation and foretaste of the kingdom to come. And while we prepared ourselves to receive the divine mysteries, we forgot one other important aspect of having the true faith, which my brother, D, dubs the gospel according to Spider-Man. It's with great power comes great responsibility. Just an interesting part of a beautiful letter that our avid listeners and friends, brothers D and M from Corcoran, California, sent to me. And they are serving time, so our prayers are with them. And we also pray and commend them and, and commend and pray for those who have, they have brought into the faith, a couple of new members. So at all times and everywhere in all places, our call, our mandate by Christ is to evangelize, go forth and teach all nations, all peoples, no matter where they are, who they are, bring the gospel of Christ to all. And especially those of us who realize the gift that we've been given by being given the faith, have coming into the faith through God's grace and through the faithfulness of other people, like for me, of course, my parents, my family. We realize what a gift that is. And a gift by nature is something that is to be passed on. We go through life open-handedly. If you notice, and I've always got a kick out of this, I love to do this. I used to take my little pinky finger and I like to put it into the hand, the grip of little babies. You notice how firmly they grip your finger Babies have this really firm, tight grip. Their hands are clenched because they're always in a sense of needing to cling, understandably so, kind of a sort of a automatic built-in baby insecurity. They need to cling and to hold, to take things to themselves. But as we grow in life, that hand, not only physically, but spiritually, symbolically, has to, little by little, learn to open and to stay open at all times, because an open hand can both receive 
and give. You see, when your hand is open, things can enter into your hand and they can just as easily move out of your hand as gift is supposed to do. The nature of gift, and it's true, like the battery commercial, it keeps on giving. That's the nature of gift. It just keeps on giving. We're given a gift, but a gift is never meant for us to, like a little baby, wrap our hands around and grip and hold and say, this is mine. Rather, it's made to be passed on, to be given to others. And at the same time, we don't lose that gift. The gift stays with us, but we're able to, at the same time, pass it on. And that's when we have a growing, maturing, open-handed grip on our gifts. So our hand is always open to give and to receive. So I thank you, Brothers DNM, and all of your friends there, and those of especially that you brought to the faith. I want to thank you for the gift of yourselves, the gift of this letter. And I want to thank Almighty God for the gift of having all of you, you two, Brothers DNM especially, thinking of me and writing to me at the exact same time I was thinking of both of you. And all of you who have been serving time and have written to us and are listening to us in prison, that is one of the great works of charity. And it's an honor for me. And I never would have realized, actually, that this radio program would become its own ministry to those who are in prison. It's an honor for me to, to be that, be part of that. And I'm humbled by it. And I ask for your prayers always as we pray for you. So once again, Brothers DNM, thank you for your letter. Thanks for thinking of me. Now on to our continued series here on the Eucharist, speaking of friendships and sense of community, Holy Communion, the Eucharist. We are one body in Christ. Now, I want to just emphasize a few other points, and I mentioned before that we're presenting the Eastern perspective on the Eucharist, which is going to be obviously in its essence the same as that belief in the Western lung of the Church. In other words, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, divinity— but there'll be different aspects emphasized. That's always the difference between East and West. It's a matter of, of emphasis, of, of perspective, of arriving at the same point, but from different perspectives. So in the Eucharist, Holy Communion, a very big dimension of it in the East is this concept or this approach of sacrifice. But it's always a question of why we're doing it, what we're doing, to whom, with whom, and its relation to Christ, the cross, the resurrection. And sacrifice means a, a giving up, but not in a negative way. It's a joyful way, not a sad or gloomy way. Sometimes we think of sacrifice as being, gee, what we can't have, what we have to give up and not have anymore. As I was mentioning earlier, it's a lot like the word gift. And Eucharist is about gift. When you give up a gift, at the same time, you don't necessarily lose it. You oftentimes have the gift while you're giving it at the same time. So sacrifice it's not just something we, we give away and it's not there anymore. It's more of an offering up, a, a joyful giving up. And it's all about life, not death. In fact, in sacrifice in the Old Testament, the Bible, something was slaughtered, you know, the sacrificial lamb or the goat was slaughtered to release life. The issuing of blood was actually a release of life. It wasn't just seen as a negative, as death or something gruesome. So to sacrifice means, especially in the Greek sense, to do something holy. So to burn, to burn up, to offer up like incense. There's a number of kinds of sacrifices in the Old Testament, and so there is in the New as well, and in, and in liturgy, especially in the Eastern liturgy. We do offer incense, and we offer, above all, of course, the body and blood of Christ. And when we return, we will review the different levels of the Eucharist and structure of it 
in the Byzantine liturgy. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Saving Jews from the Holocaust in a wheelchair. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky was born in 1865 in western Ukraine. He was an aristocrat who gave up his wealth to become a monk. He then led the Greco-Catholic Church in Ukraine through two world wars. Exiled to Russia for three years during World War I, Sheptitsky never again enjoyed good health. From 1929 until his death in 1944, he worked from a wheelchair. From that wheelchair, Sheptitsky coordinated efforts to save hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. Next time, we'll tell you more about the Archbishop, who at the height of the Holocaust wrote, A lack of love is the source of every hardship and misery. Love is the very substance of all of God's revelation. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Okay, we're back. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, and we're continuing our series on the Eucharist from the Eastern Lung of the Church. And again, I can't say this enough. We arrive at the same point, East and West, especially when it comes to Eucharist. And there's no fooling around when it comes to either you believe it's the real presence of Christ or not. So we all all agree on that. We, of course, we all come to that point. But it's how we get there and what's emphasized. It's not a different belief. It's a matter of, of emphasis. There are different structures and levels. I'm going to review that. I mentioned some of them in previous programs, but we have to make sure we're getting all this right. So in the Eucharistic prayer of the Byzantine liturgy, we have the part that is the offering. The aspect of it is is offering, offering a gift to God out of love. And this offering is also a willing self-offering out of love. So when we're offering, we're offering several things. We're going to get to that in a moment. But the second part is a consecration or consecrating, which means a change of state, actually. In the Eastern churches, they like to use the word or the, the translation 
of what the consecration means. In, in the West, they would use the word transubstantiation to try to explain it. In the East, they don't deny that. In fact, they use it too. But the preferred word in English would be a, a change, actually. So rather than transubstantiation, it would be really a process of changing. And it's very similar, but yet there is, again, as you can see, a, a different nuance of emphasis. So the consecration is, of course, the part that commemorates the Passover. It's a reconciliation. And a consecration has a lot to do with a kind of a setting apart. You know, when something is consecrated, it means to be cut apart, to be set apart as holy. And then there's a reconciliation. The Eucharist, the Eucharistic prayer, has a lot to do with us being reconciled back with God. There's a, there's a great penitential reconciliation dimension to it. It helps us, as St. Augustine referred to, it helps us to kind of cleave to God, to kind of be able to be grafted back on through redemption, through begging for forgiveness and be made worthy by God. We're always made worthy by God. We beg for worthiness to receive him, but we're made worthy by God. Okay, so we have offering, the consecration, the reconciliation. And also within the Eucharist, there are five levels. And again, I'm speaking from the Eastern perspective. There is the gifts that are transformed by human hands. In other words, grapes become wine and wheat becomes flour. So there's something that we do in this. And again, it's change. You notice that change, transforming. Then the next level is we offer ourselves. And that especially happens during the rite of preparation prior to the liturgy that is said in the Byzantine liturgy. It's said by the priest. Originally it was said by the deacon in a separate room, separate building. But the gifts are prepared in a rite of preparation. And during that preparation, as I mentioned a few programs ago, we actually mention the names of the saints, the orders of saints, and the people for whom the liturgy is being offered. So we're, in a sense, offering together the whole church, both in the next life and here, the whole body of believers, and we're offering ourselves. The next level, then, is we offer Christ. Yes, we're actually offering Christ to himself. And the fourth level is that Christ offers himself. So we say, yours of your own, from your own, offering you your own, from your own, all these and everywhere. In fact, the deacon at that point will raise the chalice and the discos. The discos has the consecrated bread, the chalice, of course, the consecrated wine with a little bit of water in it. And the deacon will raise that, and the celebrant will say, offering you your own, from your own, always and everywhere. And then finally, the fifth level is Christ offers us. Yeah, he offers us. So, there's this five levels of offering that occur in the Eucharist, starting with what we change with our human hands in cooperation with God, of course, all the way to Christ offering us as a worthy sacrifice. It's a very deep and meaningful approach to this part of Eucharist of communion. Now, as we're moving through the anaphora, which is the Eucharistic prayer, it's the word for the Eucharistic prayer in the Eastern liturgy, anaphora means offering. As we move through that, and we go on through these different levels, one of the most operant factors in the consecration, in the changing of the bread and wine, the body and blood of Christ, especially in the Eastern churches, is the Holy Spirit. The Eucharist is an action of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Eucharist is another Pentecost because it's the calling down the Spirit, and the Spirit does something. It infuses itself in the gifts and in ourselves. Now, in the Latin Rite Church, the Holy Spirit, of course, is very much a part of the consecration as well. 
But the calling down the Holy Spirit happens before the words of consecration in the Latin Rite Liturgy. In the Byzantine Liturgy, the Holy Spirit is called down and it happens, in other words, called the Epiclesis, it happens after the words of institution, you know, after the take, eat, this is my body. And the Holy Spirit is very, very strongly emphasized in the Eastern Liturgy and in the Epiclesis. In fact, there is even one Eastern Liturgy that doesn't even have the words of institution. And yet, the Church has proclaimed that their Eucharist is perfectly valid. A strong emphasis on the action of the Holy Spirit changing these gifts into the body and blood of Christ. Yes, through the priest, in cooperation with the priest, but the priest doesn't change those gifts. The Holy Spirit does. It's the action of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in the liturgy, there are actually 11 instances of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the liturgy. Some of these are silent by the priest. Some of them are audible. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness to Christ. It makes Christ present. And so what happens in the Byzantine liturgy, they're in the, what we call the epiclesis, the calling down the Holy Spirit. The priest and deacon kind of work on this together. There's a sort of a dialogue that goes on. And the priest will say, Moreover, we offer to you this spiritual and unbloody sacrifice, and we implore, pray, and entreat you, send down your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts lying before us. Now, right there, there's something to notice. Notice what we put first, us, before the gifts. In other words, the gifts are a means to an end. Christ becomes present through the Holy Spirit in the liturgy for a purpose, not just to be present. That would be good enough, though. He's God. (laughs) But he does so so that we will be changed. So the priest says, send down your Holy Spirit upon us and upon the gifts lying before us. We also need to be made worthy to receive these gifts. So the Holy Spirit is something that we ask to act upon ourselves first, because this is all about us. At least the purpose of it all is God giving himself to us so that we will be changed and transformed into a more and more perfect image likeness of himself. Then the deacon will say, Reverend Father, bless the holy bread. And the priest will bless the bread and say, make this bread the precious body of your Christ. And deacon says, amen. Then deacon says, Reverend Father, bless the holy chalice. The priest blesses the holy chalice with the wine in it and the, and the water. And he says, and that which is in this chalice, the precious blood of your Christ. And again, the deacon says, amen. Then he says, Reverend Father, bless both. And this is when he says the big windup, changing them by your Holy Spirit. And he blesses both of them together. First, he blessed them individually, the bread, then the wine. Now he blesses them all together. The deacon then bows and says, amen, amen, amen. There's a triple amen. Then the priest says, that for those who partake of them, they may bring about a spirit of vigilance, the remission of sins, the communion of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the heavenly kingdom, and confidence in you not judgment or condemnation. Moreover, we offer the spiritual sacrifice of those departing the faith of forefathers, fathers, patriarchs, prophets, apostles, preachers, evangelists, martyrs, confessors, ascetics, for every just spirit brought to perfection in faith. You see how we're wrapping everything together? Everything's becoming one communion in Christ, animated by the Holy Spirit, whether in heaven or on earth. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. And so we mention, look at all those I mentioned, patriarchs, prophets, apostles, we leave nobody out. And then we come to the most important person of all that we remember, our mother of God. And the priest will say, especially for our most holy, most pure, most blessed and glorious lady that they had 
and ever Virgin Mary. Then he begins to pray silently while the worshipers are singing a hymn to the Mother of God. And while they're singing this hymn to the Mother of God, the priest begins to remember. Remember silently with deep and beautiful, meaningful prayers those who are saints, the saint for whom the liturgy may be offered, the patron saint of that day, the deceased members for whom it's offered, the living members, everybody gets remembered. The priest enters the whole liturgy into this deep remembrance where everything comes together as one. We're all one in Christ at this point. We're going to talk more about Eucharist from the Eastern perspective in our next several programs. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years.